Welcome to the most interesting family cast. I am Crystal Haney, CEO, consultant, homeschooling mom, former Navy helicopter pilot, computer scientist, and linguist by trade. And I am here to talk for about 15 minutes a week on parenting and 15 minutes a week on tech. This week, parenting, I will answer the top three items that I wish I knew for my first child that I now know with my fifth child. And on the tech side, it won't always be parenting tech, but I'm going to start off with uh, three recommendations I have for children and tech. The first being platforms, the second being younger kids apps, younger children apps, and the third and final one being uh, older kids and family apps. Hello, so to start with the first three things that I wish I had known with the first child. The first one is how to get ready for that new baby. Everybody has advice on scheduling clothes, how to create your wish list of things that you want in your house. Really, the only thing that you really need to worry about, feeding them, clothing them, giving them a place to sleep. So feeding them is going to depend on what you do. We've always breastfed, so I have not needed a pump, bottles, anything else. If you need advice on that, shoot me an email, and I will try and get somebody on who can give you advice on what they did for that, because I have friends who went back to work right away. And so if we want some expert advice on that, I can easily call them up and see if they'd be willing to share that with you. On the clothing side... Within the first week, you'll probably go through up to 15 diapers a day, whether you are using cloth like we do or traditional, like the new version of traditional, just toss out disposable diapers, which we use when we travel. So um, either one, it does become about 15 a day for that first week. After that, you're probably down to eight a day. That's been our average for every single child until we start potty training them. So as long as you plan that, whenever we do cloth diapers, we plan on having twice that amount so I can wash them one night. We always keep a pack of disposables on hand in case something happens with the washer, um, things don't work out the way we planned. And so that way, if we have to, and we keep some in the car as well, just in case, it's always nice to have them there. Um, so that said, you'll probably need 16 uh, we actually have 15 this time because it, they came in five packs off Amazon. If you want to do it, uh, we love Green Mountain Diaper. We use them for a long time. We've gone to just all-in-ones off Amazon because everything's just become so easy to get a hold of anymore, which is great. You'll also need onesies. And if you avoid the newborn ones, that's perfect unless you have a preemie because you will be out of the newborn ones unless you have a really tiny family very quickly. So I would recommend, again, about 15, just in the 0 to 3 to the 12-month range. When you put them on, if they're a little baggy at first, it's fine. If they're starting to get a little tight, get rid of them and replace them with the same number in that next higher size. And this is what ours have worn until about 9 months to 1 year. And at that point, about the 9-month point, ours have always 
gotten to the one-year onesie, and that's where I say, okay, you guys need to start looking like children. I'm going to start putting clothes on you, like shirts, pants, etc. And you start shopping the 18-month QT sizes. Um, the bottoms, if you're just at home, you really don't even need the onesie, but pants. Um, when we go out, we did put shorts or pants on them. And generally, unless you have a blowout, those will survive a couple onesies. You might want to take an extra onesie with you. Uh, you will go through a couple a day, generally, if you're keeping them clothed. If they're at home and they're just hanging out in a diaper, um, not as much. And then as far as furniture is concerned, really, they just need a place to sit in the car, so the appropriate car seat. You're going to start out with it rear-facing and turn it front-facing. We get one that's just attached to the car so that when we leave the car, we actually have to take them out and physically check them, carry them around. And then we don't have all those safety concerns of them having been in that car seat for such a long time um, because you can get the one that go with strollers, etc. We had jogging strollers with the first. And when, as long as you have one or two, the jogging strollers and bike stores are great. Once you get past that, um, it becomes kind of burdensome. So I work out at the gym now and they have the older ones have their own bikes that they're learning on. But what we do is uh, we have a carrier for the front. I have a baby Bjorn, the standard one. We've had it for each of them. And then we like the Deuter backpack ones because if you're outside at all, you're hiking, you're going to be walking for any distance at all. The front ones start getting heavy. So um, activities, we wear them in the front one if we go outside and go hiking or go to the beach or park we put them in the back one inside the house we have just one of the simple folding again i believe it's a baby bjorn just a little bouncer chair in one and we have the Cena chair that just attaches to your table it folds up goes with you they're small they're portable they're easy to put out of the way and if you have one child you want to have more later it's really really easy to just fold them up stick them in a closet as far as toys, um, you really don't need toys for them. At about the two to three month point, if they start getting really cranky, chances are they're actually starting to teeth. Just look in their mouth, see if they're little like bubbly looking areas to their teeth. If it's not flat, chances are they've started teething. And that's when you need just one thing that you can stick in their mouth for them to chew on. You will have to hold it at first while um, they're chewing. And then that will get them through the chewing thing. We've tried um, different things. Aura gel for babies really just numbs it. We tried it ourselves. It numbed our mouth completely wherever we put it for about one minute. So if they're really, really close to going to sleep, you can put that on and let them pass out. Otherwise, it comes right back and whatever that pain does comes right back. And so they've gone from no pain now to a crazy amount of pain. They're not going to be playing with toys. Um, at that point, at about the two to three months when they start teething, they start grabbing the things, too. So if you do have um, like one animal, some colored blocks, Duplos, uh, we have letter blocks and Duplos. Those are really the only toys that we've had until they're up and walking and telling us what they want. Um, they're, they've got colors. They've got shapes. They've got letters. They've got numbers. So they're learning a bunch of stuff and we don't have to have a bunch of things. All right, moving on to the second thing I wish that I had known, and it's more of a wish I'd taken a role in. Um, as you get that first child and you think everybody else is the expert, and even though you have the responsibility as a parent of that child, you tend to defer to other people. 
don't be afraid to say in your head, hey, this is my child, this doesn't seem right, or this does seem right, regardless of what other people are saying. Um, and find somebody with a child or children that you trust that you can ask and say, hey, somebody's saying this, I don't think it's right. As an example, with our first child, um, they thought he was going to be five pounds when he was born, and his kidneys were a little large for that size. So they sent us to a specialist as soon as he was born. Um, they wanted to start him on some stuff that could be detrimental to him. We started to go along with it, and within a couple weeks, we, we started questioning it, and we went, well, well, these guys are the experts. You know what? As adults, if I don't agree with a treatment protocol or something, I'm just going to say, hey, this doesn't seem right to me. Let me get a second opinion, do this, do that. And so what I did is I brought up at a meeting, I was like, with the specialist, I said, well, you know, the kidneys were large for five pounds, but we never bothered to ask you. Now that he's, since he was eight pounds born, is this an issue? And she just stared at me. And at that point I said, no, we're done. You know, I am leaving and we're not coming back. Thank you. I hope that your study goes well, but we're done. And I know a lot of parents are worried about making the wrong decisions. And sometimes you can be scared that, you know, there's somebody is going to tell you because you don't like a pediatrician. Are they going to take my children away? And you've got to think of it this way. When you're interacting with people in the service industry as an adult, uh, medical is a service industry. If you go to a doctor and let's say you go in and you're like, you know, I just don't see eye to eye on how this person performs medicine. That's okay. You can leave and you say, you know, I'm just going to find a different doctor. There are different types of doctors out there, um, different specialties, whether it's a general practitioner, a pediatrician, there are naturopathic doctors. And maybe I'll get some of my friends from all of these different types of doctors to come on and talk to you about how they're different and what they do. But I think a lot of times with your first child, you're scared that, oh my goodness, if I say, you know what, I don't think this pediatrician, I see eye to eye on how I, you know, want to deal with medicine. Sometimes it's just the personality is different. And if you find yourself with a different personality as an adult, you go somewhere else. And I use the health, for example, but, you know, it works for education, for anything else. You're responsible for that child. So think of it as, okay, what would I do if this were me we were talking about, not my child? And a lot of times that light bulb goes off and you're like, well, I wouldn't deal with this. So don't worry about removing your child from that situation and going somewhere else. It's not bad. You're choosing these people in the service industry. And they're making recommendations. And that is one of my biggest things with medical is when I go in with my children the first time and they have different pediatricians um, just based on um, ages and who was available. So we go in, I talk to them. And if I think that our personalities aren't going to align, we'll just go somewhere else. And that's perfectly okay. Just explain to them, hey, I just don't think we're going to see eye to eye. And I think we're going to take our business elsewhere because that's what it is. It's business. Um, education is the same. We choose to homeschool. I'm not going to get into that on this now, but that is another thing. Look at education. Look at the public schools available or the private schools if you choose to go that well. Or there, if you homeschool, there are so many curricula out there that you have an 
almost unlimited array of resources at your fingertips. So again, don't be afraid to make decisions for your children that you think are right. Now, that said, if one expert is saying, hey, this is really an issue, and you're convinced it's not, go get a second opinion because maybe it is and you're just not seeing it and they're not presenting it in a way that's going to work for you. Deal with it like you would when you're dealing with yourself. And that was that was one of the hardest learning curves for me because when you have a new child, it's tough enough. So you have to be able to and be willing to stand up for them. I think the third thing that has become abundantly clear with the fifth child, and we knew it at the first child, but it's each child that's exponentially more, is that there are little sponges and they learn really, really, really fast, um, depending on what they're exposed to. Our first child, we used um, things like leapfrog, your baby can read, all sorts of stuff to try and stimulate his mind. And I was always around him talking to him. I stayed home, I was with him every day. And people thought he was learning fast. And so did we. By the time we got the second child, we were doing the same thing, but she then also had the stimulation of our first child. By the time we got to the fifth child, you know, our fourth child at one and a half is fully conversant. So our fifth child is already trying to interact with us at three to four months. You know, he, he's trying to say things. He makes faces at you like he's mad if you don't understand him, which he doesn't have the words yet. So. Again, we work with sign language, things like that. So the more you can expose them to normal speech, to just conversation, to being around people learning. Um, if you put a bunch of them in a room together that are a similar age, that's not going to help them progress when they're little, I don't think. It was the fact that they had a higher simulation. They sit around and listen to their siblings in class. They sit around and um, do their own schoolwork. And by schoolwork, it may or may not be, you know, a full homeschool curriculum. If they're little, I may just give them blocks with letters and a task, or I may send them to watch a leapfrog video or something, but things that are always stimulating them. And most of our games, our toys are based on something like that. And it is just explosive how much they can learn in those first years, those first five years before they head off to school that will set them up for a strong foundation, I think, personally for me at home, that that is the best place for them to do it. Um, if there were some type of academy or something for children in that age group, but I think that's a little too much for them as well already. So um, again, to me, home is the best place for that age group and you're gonna get the most benefit out of it. And the more children that are around, um, that are older, the more adults around, the more you talk like an adult, the sooner you're going to get responses from them, the less they're going to be a blob. Because at first, they're all blobs. They all seem like blobs. They all look like blobs. And so the more interaction they get, the more stimulation, It they will blossom into little people faster and faster. And it will be absolutely amazing the difference versus a child who's just left there laying around um, or sitting in a car seat or in a stroller the whole day, wherever you go. And that's the thing, we took them with us wherever we went. They went to the grocery store, they went everywhere, they saw everything. Um, they interact with people on a regular basis, they interact with adults, they have to actually know how to speak um, in a logical, sensical, sequential way to have a conversation. 
And I think that's one thing that we aren't really doing with a lot of children at that age right now. So in talking about platforms that I recommend for Tech for Children, I'm talking mobile platforms here first. And when I'm talking about those, it's better to stay in the same family. So if you prefer Apple devices, if you prefer um, Samsung devices, Windows devices, a specific Android operating system, it's easier to manage. And a lot of them have sharing of applications. Otherwise, you end up having to buy applications multiple times to be able to access them across everybody's devices. So while I am more of a Samsung Android fan, uh, the family was more a fan of Apple, so that's where our devices lie. I still keep a couple additional Samsung devices to do things that I can only do over there. But overall, I've had to transition over to kind of support what the rest of the family is capable of using and to keep the costs down. Now, when I say those devices, um, I personally find it to be a waste of money to buy an iPod or a Shuffle or just an MP3 music type player because good ones of those are gonna cost you the same as a low-end cellular device, and you may get the low-end cellular devices for free or a discount for opening a new line. Now, you're gonna have monthly payments for those lines, but uh, you can then have a phone that your child can use. And a lot of people are like, well, how old of a child needs that? What we've found is that each child has one that has a line. And what we've used those extra lines for is if somebody's device breaks, we can then use that line to upgrade a device for free in a lot of instances by just extending the contract. And then people have data when they're out and about. You're not trying to find Wi-Fi. You're doing a lot of things. But being a computer science major, I am comfortable with the children having these devices. And one thing I, I will add to that, um, we've tried screen time on the Apple side. I know a lot of people use Circle, some other programs that sit there and limit your kid's time on the device. And while that's nice, what we found is when we put on screen time, the children would play up until then because they know the phone would tell them or the iPad would tell them when there was a limit. And then they'd ask for more time. Their screen time was actually lower whenever we didn't have an app that managed it, whenever we were interactive with them and helped them to manage it. So if we said, hey, they have to come to us, ask us, can I use my device? May I go play on it? We would say yes or no. And then when time was over to be done, they'd be done and sometimes they'd be done faster all on their own than they were when they had that artificial limit set on the phone because they just played until the phone told them not to. So we actually found it was better teaching them time management themselves and um, being able to grant and revoke permission ourselves because there also became the, well, I still have screen time. Why are you taking my device away? Well, we have something else we need to do. And so we can't, you know, you can't just keep playing on the device. Well, the device says I still have time. So you, you end up in that limbo between whether the device sets the standard or the parent does, and you're trying to explain to them that both do, but parents override it. So um, we found that on the content side, we oversee 
their downloading of apps, anything that the family has, they're allowed to download. Uh, if there are a couple adult specific apps, um, we let them play first person shooters in general. We're a little different. Some families don't like that, but like Call of Duty, Fortnite, those things are allowed. Some of the more adult zombie themes, something like that, um, they have been told this app that's in mine or my husband's apps, you may not download. They're specifically told that. Um, they tried it once, they lost a device for a week, they never did it again. The other things, we do not lock out or block Safari, YouTube, any of those, but they know that they must ask permission to ask to access those. And so that is how we manage those. On the console side, I think that uh, Nintendo, the Wii, is good early on, but they do tend to outgrow it earlier than we did back in our day. And so I think by the time that they're eight, nine years old, they're going to be looking for games that are available on Xbox, PlayStation. Games cross-platform so much these days, unless there's one particular game on a console that they really like that's only available on that one. Um, either one work. And what's great is you can just put this in, hook it to your TV, and you don't have to worry about having a DVD Blu-ray player anymore either as they both incorporate them. So it's really nice. You just need one thing as long as you stick with one and everybody can use it for what they want and you don't need a bunch of cords, cables, and devices. And quickly before I cover my app recommendations for different ages, I just wanna say on the blog, which will drop on Wednesday, techmom, T-E-C-H-M-O-M dot me, M-E, that I will be covering some search issues with the iPhone that we've had and what, how we fix that in the settings that is really important for children for safety and security. Uh, so that will be Wednesday over on the website on the blog. So going on to the apps. For the younger children, I really love iTot flashcards. It's by iTot Apps LLC. The only problem is it hasn't updated for iOS 11. I hope they update it. They do have some updated um, games, but that put them all in one. So we'll see if they keep them spread apart, if they put them back in one. They're still good. They go through multiple languages, which we really like. Uh, on the language side, we really like Reading Eggs Math Seeds. I am not a huge fan of ABC Mouse because there are so many things there, and I wanted them focused on reading our math specifically. Um, and what you can do is you can save that as an app, basically, it makes a little item on your home screen that they can click it. They can, you can keep yourself logged in or you can save your password to it. That way they can access it and uh, they log in and they use it. We've, we've found it's very useful, uh, both on the math and the reading side, especially on the reading side for phonics. And then uh, the last one is Monkey Preschool Lunchbox. So I know it's a crazy name. It's available with iOS and Android. Um, and we really like it. It has shapes, it has colors. They've just recently gone to multiple languages, which is kind of cool. Uh, if you happen to get it in a foreign language and you're trying to figure out how to get it back, it's asking for your birth year. It took me a while to figure that one out because ours is in Chinese at the moment because that's what they want to play with. Um, as I was saying, numbers, colors, shapes, counting, and the ability to move your finger around to drag things where you want them on the screen, which is useful in this day and age as well as a memory game, which leads me to what we do with the older ones. Uh, we really liked 
the concept of the Rosetta or of the uh, Rosetta Stone mind stuff, but I don't think it's quite as robust and it's not all contained into one app like Lumosity is. We love Lumosity. We've yet to be able to find any brain type game that we like as much as that. Brain Age on the Nintendo devices uh, comes close. I really like Brain Age, but Lumosity is our favorite and occasionally you can get a lifetime subscription to that, which is, I would highly recommend we've done that. And so they have Lumosity and then on the language side, they have Memrise. Memrise does multiple languages. It's uh, a subscription based. You can do certain parts of it for free to see if your children are interested, but then it's subscription based. Again, by the time that they're getting to grade school, um, third grade probably, you're not gonna be using reading eggs or math seeds. On the math side, we recommend bookmarking and again, just adding it to their home screen so they can one click it. Uh, Khan Academy. It's K-H-A-N academy.org. Um, it has math, it has sciences, it has all sorts of things, but if you click sign them in, make them account, do all the maths, it lets them just start at the beginning of math, it does an assessment, and then it moves them through all the different maths, be it algebra, geometry, whatever, at the right place, at the right speed for where they are currently. And it is completely free to use. However, what we found was incentivizing was it gives them badges. So for every badge that they earned, we gave them a dollar. And we continue to do that. So it incentivizes that over some other games. And so I think that rounds it up. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you next Sunday. And to wrap all this up, just don't forget, if you have any questions, if there's anything you want me to cover, questions about anything that I've said here, I tend to answer on the blog if I can. Um, you can either, two ways, email me, themom, T-H-E-M-O-M, at techmom.me, or go to anchorfm, A-N-C-H-O-R, dot F-M, forward slash the Crystal Haney, H-A-N-E-Y, slash messages, or just push the button that says send a message. So if there's anything you want me to cover, email me, go to anchorfm. Uh, you can also, third way, just type in www themostinterestingfamily.com that will take you directly to the Anchor FM site and you can just click the button to send a question there. You can also click the button to subscribe. Right now I believe we're on Spotify, Anchor FM. We've got a request and everywhere else that podcast drops so keep checking back if that's not your favorite place and see if we've shown up there yet.